Here we go. Careful. <laughs> so I guess that's a false start. Hold on. I've got Oops. COVID Kai. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it right now. I am COVID Kai positive. I'm not gonna call it COVID COVID B one one two nine five nine or you know the new mm-hmm. the new mutated variety. I think they're calling it Omicron, but I'm calling it Kai because that's uh, mm-hmm. Cobra Kai. Right? Like Cobra Kai? You, spell, you spell she. No, uh, she isn't Xi Jinping. He doesn't even know what Cobra Kai is. I shouldn't even fucking try. I'm sorry. I mentioned it. He doesn't. Okay. I was thinking more like Kai, like Kai Omega or something. Um, oh, and we'll get into that after anime. fraternities and sororities. Oh, good. That's we'll, right. I forgot we'll, about that. We'll, we'll we'll bring it up in the in the uh, yeah. We'll pin them down section. Yes. All right. Let's try this one more time. That should be the opening right there. <laughs> the first two seconds of the video. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> it broke. Dang it! <laughs> this, you know what this is? Broke to dead. Now that's the that's when you download like seventeen percent of that porn movie off of Kazaa or LimeWire, and you watch it in hopes that you're going to see some titties, but there ain't no titties yet. You get four <laughs> seconds, four minutes blank, then 14 seconds, and then eight minutes blank. <laughs> All right, third time's a charm, right? It's just the drum break of Inagata DeVita. That's the only thing I got when I downloaded off Napster. <laughs> oh, shit. Um... I do not understand why this audio is not playing. One second. Jesus Christ. Okay. It's always the audio. It's always somebody with the audio. Literally nothing has changed with these since a week ago. Man, what the hell? If we do start naming the COVID variants after, if we if we get through the entire Greek uh, alphabet and we start naming naming them after fraternities, can we use like fraternity punchlines to describe <laughs> the impact of COVID? You know? <laughs> this is COVID Pi Kappa Alpha I don't... variant. We butt chug the butt chugging <laughs> COVID variant. <laughs> Although it's. It... It's, it seems Can you put that, out a guide uh, to that on YouTube? Yeah. Yes. It seems it seems and that this the, is that how you every... give yourself an enema with a bottle of wine. <laughs> but it seems with that the, red the variants with white. are getting less and less uh, lethal. I mean, it's mutating down. It, it, it seems to be mutating down. I hope it's mutating down because. Uh, Delta variant was pretty bad. Killed a lot of people. Uh, d- oh, you just you just wait, Ray. Wait, wait till China releases the next one. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fourth time's a charm. By the way, they're a pa- China is a patron, so they're listening. Yeah, they're a paid sponsor. So, <laughs> we're just ERC. <laughs> we love you. As business owners, entrepreneurs, family men, it's difficult for us to find the time to put together projects like these. Even though it's something we really want to do, unfortunately, taking care of the things we have to take care of comes first. However, because of viewer support for people like you, we're able to continue doing this. Please consider joining our Patreon and supporting the Burn and Return podcast. Welcome to Burn and Return, a one-hour weekly podcast on all topics. Smooth as butter. (laughs) You're listening to Burn and Return, a weekly one-hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turfgrass industries. Okay, I'm not even going to wait for the appropriate screen. For everybody that's watching this right now that is not part of uh, uh, the the uh, Patreon member or any of that fun stuff, you don't understand what happened, uh, but it took, it took a lot of effort to get to this point. It took a lot of effort to get here. We were having technical difficulty after technical dif- difficulty. We had, we had a lot of jokes going in the pre-show. But you know what? Damn it, we put forth effort and we made it. <laughs> Somehow, some way, we all made it. Damn it, gentlemen. We we went through the trenches together. Wait, what what was that? What was that on uh uh it's 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 another it's a large lawn care YouTuber and he was equating what he does to being in the trenches with his with his brothers. <laughs> You know who I'm talking about? Uh, wait, 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 yes. wait, wait. While while I we're here, yes. hang on. Exact, I, I don't want to. Hey, I don't quote. want. I don't want to misquote him. So please bear with me. And while we're doing that, I need to really sell about how difficult it was for us to come on the air. And I don't think there's any better way to just blatantly lie about how difficult it is than to than to uh, oh, use an equally lie-ridden uh, quote from. This other YouTube guy. Man, I got to find it. It's killing me. While you guys are doing that, or while I'm doing that, Ray, how are you this evening? I am well. Thank you. I'm very well. That's great. Gentlemen, I'll have a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. If you didn't have a good Thanksgiving, I apologize. I don't know what to tell you. Um, Hopefully, you at least... If you're on on in in the in the midst of a uh, eating in a deficit for a diet or whatever, you took a break from it and you you stuffed your damn face. You ate like a horse or a mule or whatever the case may be, and just enjoyed every damn bite like I did. Ray, I gotta ask, did you eat any pumpkin pie? Oh, I don't see that. I'm not a fan. I'm I not knew a it. fan. I'm not either. Me neither. 
Uh, yeah, well, I mean, most pods because, actually. Uh, well, what well, what I was doing on Thursday. Well, what I was Same. doing on Thursday morning is I literally baked a homemade apple pie with a crunch topping. I can Ooh, get wow. down on that one hundred percent. I'm, you know I'm what a crunch topping is. What is you know a what crunch, crunch topping? topping like, is, Matt? Like streusel or what? Not quite. Well, all I know is that there's macadamia nuts in it, brown sugar, and butter. And it goes over the top of the pie rather than that doughy, pasty stuff that normally goes over pies. And yeah. then when it bakes, it turns into almost hard candy. Mm. So it's crispy and crunchy and buttery all at the same time. <laughs> I'd eat the hell out of that. Um, I did eat a significant portion, 25% of a pecan pie. Like Nick, I see you mentioned pecan pie. Good choice. Well, uh, well you know what? Pie. I actually love pecan pie. I love doing it. The only thing is, is that Rest of my family doesn't like pecan pie. They're broken. They are definitely broken. And shout out also for pronouncing it correctly. The pecan pie people can can go away. They they need to go somewhere else. Pecan pie does not make sense to me. Nowhere does that word is that word ever. It's, it's pecan. It's not pecan. Pecan. All right. Pecan. Okay. Hey, whatever Actually, you say. Nick, it's, uh, that topping is called. Do we need to argue about this? The, no. The Dutch crumble. <laughs> Are you a pecan really guy? If you're a pecan guy, we're gonna have words. Listen, <laughs> I'm gonna blow. I'm gonna blow your mind right now. All right, an individual of my size, right? I don't like any pie. Like I will not eat any pie. None of it. You can really you can name any any pie that's ever been created. Not for me. Don't want it. Not your not your no. thing. No. I'm a pie guy. I like pies. Well, apple pie, cherry well, pie. Well, I guess or cobblers. You know, I guess yeah. Really, those are cobblers, right? Now, hair pie. You get down well, some cobbler. Different. Oh, cobbler? No, no cobbler. I really desserts you in get general. Down on cobbler? I don't. I don't really don't do a lot of desserts. Boy, Boy let me tell that you is, right that now. That is kind of you put a that's kind of interesting in, of in a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> oh. oh. Oh, so you're saying at the old age course, home when we have to feed you, feed you through your feeding tube, we have to puree give me, up some. Give me a straw, blend it. Give me a straw, I'll snort it. Not concerned. Look at that, oh, Grandpa dear. Matt took what? his teeth out. It's time for cobbler. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. This is like I used to eat when I made the fertilizer. <laughs> something like that i don't know all right we're, we're, real quick we do have to wish a happy thanksgiving <laughs> this is company fucking kill me i'll never forgive that did you guys put something something special in here for me no grandpa that's just your poly debt don't worry about it it's all good just for flavor it's okay. it tastes like it tastes like leaves in oregano and i i don't like oregano why did you put it in here? I don't know if I can handle this. 
Grandpa, that's not oregano. Uh, that's what you smoked. That's what you smoked back in Knoxville. Hey, real quick, let's wish a let's wish a happy Thanksgiving belated, right? To one of our favorite lawn care YouTubers out there. And I want to read a quote, right, from this gentleman. Okay. Now this is him talking about his days as a legitimately. I, I this is not bullshit at all. This is the honest to God truth as a used car salesman, right? Black Friday deals, right? Shock bottom prices, right? Not rock bottom. Shockingly, rock bottom prices. Here's the quote. You get a car. (laughs) This is supposed to be a poignant moment. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) There is a huge difference between our company and the other direct mail companies out there. Our force is being led by someone who has been in the trenches and knows what it's like to hear the bullets fly over his head. Some claim that doesn't make much of a difference. I say they're wrong. You can see the difference in our approach and in our results, said Vetter. Mr. Vetter, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Mr. (laughs) Vetter. We appreciate you, sir, for the endless content for negate gate which was arguably one of the greatest moments on the internet lawn care uh <laughs> thing that has ever ever occurred i am wearing a photos turf t-shirt which was a really good one too i'm not gonna lie that was great moments in in youtube lawn care uh but negate gate was <laughs> that will hold a special place in my heart for a long time that you were yeah, i'll tell you what i I've, I've known you now for going on three years and I've never seen you more triggered. I don't know if I'll ever see you more triggered by something like that. So, yeah, kudos. That that was a special moment in time, and we all got to be there. It was, Some of us it, did. you know, and it was it was so perfect because in the Discord there was uh, somebody was defending Doc that day, and I was talking about how how skeezy he was, right? And uh, and it's it, you know, and don't get me wrong, there are certain things that Doc puts out that are perfectly in line, you know, good, good agronomy and all that fun stuff. And then, but somehow it always parlays back into buy my shit. Right. And, and he's so effective at tying it back into, to buy my shit that, um, it, it, it can be, it, you know, it can be looked at other ways in some ways it can be seen as effective in a, in a sales tool. And then other ways it can come across as skeezy. Right. And me personally, I, I see it as skeezy. I understand why some people don't either, you know? And anyway, there was, there was a guy in the discord who was going absolute ham on defending doc that day and i mean just i mean losing his mind over the fact that people could interpret doc as a um uh as a as a con man right which was yeah which was kind of the 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 approach that i was taking is that he's he's a con man and um when that video dropped and i and as soon as i saw negate it, i knew immediately that that specific issue with the label right and um i had actually the 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 previous october i was with uh the the guys at control solutions and we were talking about that as an issue and the, the number of people that have made that mistake of taking their their scoop from prosedge or sedgehammer and scooping it out and then creating some problems for themselves. Right. And, mm. and so I, I, it was the one thing I wanted to look for when I did it. And then when I see him taking, uh, 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 you know, a, a, a t- teaspoon approach or whatever it was, I can't remember how, how he weighed it out, yes. but, you know, it was not under the, under the guise of following the label of mixing the entire contents because it's not a, a homogeneous product. Right. I was like, here, this guy spent 
hours, hours, six hours defending Doc. And it to all come full circle to prove my point that the guy has really no vested interest in making sure what he says is accurate, nor does he really care. Um, at the end of the day, it's just you know, what's going to get people to click the Amazon link and and you know finish finish the purchase, right? And so you know, I was like, man, what a, what a perfect opportunity here to demonstrate exactly what I had been trying to communicate, and uh, and it was at, you know all the stars aligned at that one at that one moment. And, you know, it's some, sometimes it's it's hard to believe that things happen for a reason, um, but you know, I I always tend to kind of default back to that, right? And, uh, you know, like, just like there's a reason carbon earth isn't in business anymore too. You know, it, it goes both ways. I'm not, I'm not free. I'm not free from that. Right. Uh, you know, if I just want to point out there that I've got a little bit of humility about myself too. Trust me, I am not all knowing in this, in this space. Gentlemen, hey. let's move into the content of the show and, uh, let's, let's, let's browse through this week's headlines. This is this this is what we've been dealing with, gentlemen. Uh, 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 the the ladies and gentlemen of the of the crowd here. We don't know why this is taking place, but this has happened multiple times, and so forgive us. That's all you're going to get of the headline announcement. However, what I will tell you is what we're going to talk about in these in this first article. And this far, first article uh, starts out like this. I'm afraid we're going to have a food crisis. The energy crunch has made fertilizer too expensive to produce, says Yara CEO. And, Matt, you know, I feel like, Matt, huh? Yeah. Where are you getting? The, oh, sorry. That's my fault. One second. No, <laughs> you're good. You're good. You're good. I haven't, I haven't jumped okay. into it. Not, and I'll just, I want to preface this that. You know, I don't want to it just continue to harp on on um, you know you know the 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 issue. Everybody understands that we're in a, a fertilizer situation right now, but it's the downstream effects that occur because of this that I don't see it in the news. And I think, and 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 I, I don't know. Maybe this isn't in the news because they don't want people to panic. I don't know, but I feel like these. This is an important conversation that should be had um, uh, uh, globally right now to understand where we are. Uh, and, it, and it reads like this. The world is facing the prospect of a dramatic shortfall in food production as rising energy prices cascade through global agriculture. The CEO of Norwegian fertilizer giant uh, Yara International says, I want to say this loud and clear right now, that we risk a very low crop in the next harvest. I'm afraid we're going to have a food crisis. Speaking of fortune, on the sidelines of the COP26 climate conference in Glasgow, Holsether said that the sharp rise in energy prices this summer and autumn had already resulted in fertilizer prices roughly tripling. In Europe, the natural gas back, uh, benchmark hit an all-time high in September, with the price more than tripling from June to October alone. Yara is a major producer of ammonia, a key ingredient in synthetic fertilizer which increases crop yields. The process of creating ammonia currently relies on hydropower or nitro, uh, natural gas. To produce a ton of ammonia last summer was $110, and now it's $1,000. So it's just incredible. Food prices have also risen, meaning some farmers can afford more expensive fertilizer. The wholesaler argues that many smallholder farms can't afford the higher cost, which will result 
what they can produce and diminish crop size, which will reduce what they can produce and diminish crop sizes. That in turn will hurt food security in vulnerable regions at a time when access to food is already under threat from the COVID-19 pandemic, climate change, including widespread drought. The company, whose largest shareholder is the Norwegian government, has donated $25 million worth of fertilizer to vulnerable farms, Holsether said. But Yara isn't able to eat the cost of such a dramatic rise in energy prices, he said. Since September, it has been curtailing its ammonia production by as much as 40% due to energy costs. Other major producers have done the same. The delayed effects of the energy crisis on food security could mimic the chip shortage crisis, Holsether said. That's all linked to factories being shut down in March, April, and May of last year. And we're reaping the consequences of that now. But if we get equivalent to the food system, not having food is not annoying. That's a matter of life and death. And I'll kind of leave it there. Again, <laughs> this is... <clears throat> Great jumping off. What a, yeah, I, I thought that was a good... It, with emphasis, right? This is a matter of life and death. And, mm-hmm. and it's not to say that we're there yet. And I'm, I want to make that extremely clear. We're not there yet. This is Europe. And, uh, and um, I, I'm not going to say what was actually in my head right there. It's kind of a joke because it was a little bit, it was a little bit too much, but it had to do with, um, never mind. I'm not even going to bring it up. The point being is that this is unprecedented, right? In the 2008 financial crisis, we did see you know major increases in in fertilizer prices. However, and there were runs on banks and all kinds of fun stuff, and you know trying to to secure liquid cash there got a little scary for a week or so, and um, and so it was it was weird. However, it was easy to kind of pinpoint the roadmap out of that, right? And and you know within uh, three four months or so. You know, already there was some recovery taking place, and the government was making decisions on who they were going to bail out and all that fun stuff. And it was a, it was trickling in the right direction. What we are facing right now is unprecedented because um, nobody still we don't know what to expect um, of of what the long term ramifications of COVID are. Right, and if anybody looked at the news on Thanksgiving Day. What do they announce on Thanksgiving Day? We've got another damn COVID variant that's come about, right? And I don't know how many of y'all looked at the stock market on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, but everything was absolutely tanking. I want to say it was down a thousand points, something like that. Um, and the reason why is because as these these new variants continue to show up, it's going to put more pressure on uh, on on businesses in terms of their employees because you think about it, right? Everybody's under these COVID protocols right now. All businesses, whether you're a small business or a large business where, you know, one of your employees gets exposed, they're gone for two weeks. Maybe they're around another employee. One of them turns up positive. The other employees they're around, they're down for two weeks, right? And so it creates this odd, unpredictable uh, uh, workforce that you have. And already we're in the midst of uh, a workforce shortage. And so it just compounds issues. Now we're, we're seeing it where, we're running into uh, uh, natural gas shortages, ammonia shortages, workforce shortages, and now we've got a new variant coming out on top of it, and nobody knows anything about it other than it's scary because it's undergone a significant number of mutations now that it's it's you know shown its face to the world. We are in the weirdest time that probably for any of us that are alive right now will ever live through. And I'm not saying like scary or frightening or end of the world or anything like that. It's just, it's fucking weird. Gentlemen, 
am I overlooking anything over here? I'm trying to tone it down from the hellfire and brimstone and take a more pragmatic approach. Am I leaving out anything? Am I am I doubling down on the wrong things here? I don't think so. I, no, I, I I think it's uh, you know, I, I, to your point about you know oh eight oh nine, how do we work ourselves out of this? The the problem is this isn't just like a uh, administrative thing, right? Like, you know, you look at how people, especially farmers, right, plan their years out, and if they're already hearing this, then what becomes of their ordering practices? And I've heard, I mean, in both ag and, uh, well, ag, I mean, uh, I can tell you, you know, I don't know a ton of farmers, but I know enough uh, folks that are in it that a lot of them are pre-buying stuff right now that never would have done that before. Never would have sunk that money uh, in ahead of time to buy all of their inputs, right? So I think you're definitely seeing a run on that. So that's going to squeeze and constrain what's available in current inventory, right? Or promised, you know, out in terms of what different distributors are going to get from an allocation standpoint. So, you know, in turf, what's that mean for us? I mean, we're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel and it's it's going to be a different year. Uh, I really do think that. And I saw somebody today on Twitter, you know, they were talking about what's the, you know, what's the biggest thing that's coming in 2022. And I'd say, I don't know that it's a, it's even a real big thing on the pro turf side of things yet that it's that, uh, end users. So superintendents, lawn care operators, sports field people really, really, truly understand the impact this is going to have. And I think that's probably the most concerning part, like at least, you know, from a, from a turf industry perspective, right. Is that, you know, they'll hear from suppliers and I think some suppliers are sugarcoating it more than others. Oh, Hey, prices are going to be up. You know, we'll, we'll let you know how demand's looking and all that kind of stuff. You know, we'll get you in line, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think anybody's painting the true picture of what this is really going to be like, uh, come 2022. And especially, for the folks that just shoot from the hip and think, oh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and order, you know, uh, four skids of fertilizer and we'll go out and do that next round. Like, that's probably not going to be a thing in 2022 unless you just want to put whatever dog shit blend of whatever out there, Ray, right? Right, right. And, and again, I haven't gotten around to doing it yet, but. I'm probably going to have a rather pointed conversation with uh, both of my vendors because it's not so much me dealing with doggy doodoo blends so much as basic technical materials because mm -hmm. do you know what's going to hurt me is when Tell me, Ray. I cannot even get a hold of my 500 or so pounds of stabilized urea for the year. Or I can't get my 1,000 pounds of 2020. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to be hurting. However, what's probably in my favor is that those materials were never really in high demand. Those are kind of exotic uh, specialty products that uh, 
are not commonly used. Mm-hmm. And I wonder that's uh, I, I, if there's a a spill over there immediately, or how quickly that that happens, right? Where you've got people saying, "Hey, you can't get the staples, right?" So now you got to go. You know, you, you instead of going to uh, you know Safeway, you got to go to uh, you know Whole, Whole Foods. Foods or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and you're buying and you're buying yeah. the the uh, artist, you know, artisanal uh, olive oil instead of just you know your basic bitch olive oil or something like that, and this case it's i think it's going to spill over and then you eat up all that inventory and then where do you go so food crisis i don't know matt i mean the big thing there is just the seasonality of it all right just that this isn't something that you recover from with a click of a button and say oh yep hey we just floated you the government says you're good don't worry about defaulting on that i mean this is stuff that takes time right to to plan for from a logistic standpoint of getting stuff into the right places so hey if shit hits the fan, you know, next spring and summer here in the States, does that mean that we have to rely more heavily on Brazil and South America to feed the world? I, I don't know. Those are those are the questions I think is like how how far do you go down the waterfall before you hit the bottom? I, I think even we'll Brazil. A, 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 I mean, how, it, how, how much more, how much additional crop production is going to be able to come out of Brazil? Unless we start hacking because, away at larger areas of the rainforest, you know, mm-hmm. because because as is Bra- Brazil lives under most of the same logistics and supply constraint that the rest of the world does too, and as is uh, from what I heard from Brazil, those guys are already or have been already throwing it down getting every hectare of land to produce as much as possible. You know, they're not, they're not in this thing of being quote unquote conservative with their inputs. Uh, that is exactly why, for example, I told you we don't grow pineapple in Hawaii anymore. All that production moved to Brazil. Mm-hmm. Pull up, pull up that chart I just sent you, J. Ping. Um, and uh, and this is uh, I have I had I, I just can you slide it over so we can the other direction. There we go, there we go. Uh, and so you know, taking a look at at the fertilizer. So green market reports is like it's Bloomberg uh, from thing. Bloomberg and it is the who's who of it, basically this is how the majority of commodity brokers set their prices is based off of uh, all the data that gets pulled from uh by by Bloomberg and the in the green markets report and this is you know you have to pay uh, an exorbitant amount of money i mean it's like uh, 2 grand a month for this kind of service so when you when you can find one of these charts public uh, publicly posted you know share the damn thing because this is uh this is like super inside baseball here. I have no idea who Doomberg is. I can tell you now I'm not gonna read it because it's gonna depress me. Um so this is in no form, shape, or fashion of any kind of support of Doomberg, but he did share this, and so I'm I'm sharing him since he he watermarked it. Um but we we look here at eleven hundred and seven dollars a ton uh for for you know your average nitrogen prices that are coming out right now and and again you know this is this is unprecedented we've never seen this before this has never happened in history we can't point to it and say when this happened in history 
we saw this happen as a result of it, and therefore that happened. We literally saw a couple of months, a couple of months of high prices in 2008. We are a couple of months beyond what we saw in 2008, 2009 right now. And if it hovers at these prices, which is a brand new precedent that we are rewriting our historical uh, markers in our in our brain right now. So when I say it's weird, it's because we we have no point in history that we can go back and take a look at this as a as a modern society, right? And I I would argue that we have we have entered a a a certain amount of a, a modern society, and and we try and take a look at things at food security for even underdeveloped nations and stuff, and 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 you know try and play a role to make sure there's not. Uh, people starving out there. Unfortunately, we can't help some people like North Korea, but um, you know it is what it is, and it just it puts a further strain on an already rocky issue with supply chain chaos, and uh, and now you know the the number one driver in food supply, which is arguably fertilizer, aside from land and and uh, and cooperating weather, uh, fertilizer is going to be your biggest you know correlator to, to to yield output, and if you don't have the yield, then you don't have food. We've harped on this for many segments here, so we'll move on. But uh, I just I wanted to to bring that up because I, it just you know more more people are talking about it, but I you know it's it's difficult to find in uh, mainstream news. And if no one's going to talk about it, I feel like we have a responsibility to talk about it just so people are aware. We'll move on to this well, next <laughs> article here. Go ahead. Huh? What? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say real quick that that so for historical perspective on that index, right? They started that January of two thousand two, right? So it's up eleven x right now. Now, granted, it's taken a pretty sharp turn upward here, but if you go back and look and just want to use like the uh, Dow Jones, right, against that, we are roughly three and a half x or so on the Dow Jones in that same twenty year period, and we're 11x on a fertilizer. Scary shit, boys. That is... Oof. Hey, Jay Pink, throw up that picture of me sticking a fork into the socket. <laughs> That's, uh, there we go. There we go. That's me right now. Um, all right, let's take a look at this next article here. This is from uh, Radio Iowa, so you know it's cold. Uh, DNR to use herbicide on invasive plant in Iowa Great Lakes. The Iowa Department of Natural Resources will soon apply an herbicide to the North Bay East Lake Okaboji uh, to try to com- uh, combat an invasive plant. Uh, the curly leaf pondweed can get quite dense and impedes fishing, swimming, and boating. Uh, this is a completely... Oh, wait, wait. I skipped the most important part. DNR fisheries biologist uh, Mike Hawkins says they are an herbicide called Sonar has been around since 1986, but has never been used in the Iowa Great Lakes before. This is a completely different type of herbicide than we've been using. Its safety profile is extremely good. It's used across the country in some environmentally sensitive projects. The treatment rates are down in the two to five parts per billion range. So it's a very, very low dosage rate that we put on, and there's no restrictions for fishing or swimming. Hawkins says native plants in the Iowa Great Lakes are dying off, as they do in the fall, but curly leaf pondweed is just starting to sprout and will keep growing under the ice. It's an unusual plant. Curly leaf pondweed, the new crop of it, is only about four to six inches tall, so that's really the only aquatic plant that we're treating at this point. 
Hawkins says the DNR may expand its mechanical harvesting of curly leaf pondweed next year. The plant has thick roots, blooms in the springs, and dies in July. So here we go. We're using a new herbicide technology uh, called, well, not a new technology, but a new in this type of situation. Um, yeah, sonar. It's been uh, around in, as an algicide for a long C-Pro. time. Yeah. Throw C-Pro. the label up there, J-Pink. Now, real quick, product. while we're mm-hmm. pulling this label up, I just want to—I want to make sure I go go through this. How long since we put from when we put this content out till there's a YouTube video up selling sonar for curly leaf pondweed? And click on the link, link in the description below to buy right now. Let's beat them. Actually, to them. Jumping, can we get an Amazon link and throw it in the description below? I'm I'm on. It's it. restricted use. Okay, but whatever. No, actually, no, actually, actually, Amazon will sell. Here's the. Th- yeah, here's the thing about sonar or this active ingredient fluoridone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have dealt with some expensive shit, oh, you know, both cheap. of us. Yeah, mm-hmm. this stuff is monumentally expensive, but when all else fails, this absolutely totally works because the way this works is these DNR people are going to introduce that part per billion dosage into that body of water mm-hmm. and once they've done it that weed is going to lose the ability to maintain chlorophyll mm-hmm. it's another bleaching herbicide because weeds affected by this product they just turn paper white because this and- is a Carotenoid synthesis inhibitor. It's expensive because it works. I mean, I will tell you that from days on the golf course and treating ponds and streams and waterways that it is incredibly expensive. It still is to this day. However, uh, it is probably one of the more safe ones out there. Like, you know, Q-Trine's the old reliable, but, man, you can... You can kill some fish with you train if you're not uh, not being careful. Not, and I'm not saying that you don't be yeah. careful with this stuff, but I, I would say that the relative safety factor that you have in here, like they mentioned, there's no swimming restrictions, things like that. Not that there's people swimming golf course ponds, but in situations like this where they're talking about bodies of water that are used for recreational purposes and things like that, it is mm-hmm. pretty pretty well uh, a surefire bet. And the other thing, too, is a lot of times with uh, some of those other um, older technologies on the algicides, the conditions at which you apply them or in which you apply them can very easily affect the uh, efficacy of them, and not so much with this one. This one's got a wider range of conditions that it's going to be successful for you. So... Seems like a good choice. Probably not cheap, but oh, it's not it's not cheap. But control from this application mm-hmm. can extend multiple years because fluoridone or sonar is also a highly persistent product. It lasts. It's so only eight hundred seventy-five dollars a quart. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you got to pull out all the stops for the people in Iowa. I mean, it's not like they're driving over to fucking Malibu. I mean, you got to go to East Lake Okeechobee or whatever it is to to get a little swim in, right? Get you some fresh mm-hmm. water. 
or some, chicks and or bikinis. some fishing. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever you're into. Yeah. And, you know, Chuck said bye to the to the bluegill beds. You know, why why kill it if it's going to die off in July? It, it's it's considered a noxious weed. It's uh it's invasive. It's a it's a Eurasian one, and so you know they're hoping to uh, by. Uh, potentially controlling this is it going to uh, free up maybe potential for uh, for for native species to be able to move in i don't know i'm not a marine <laughs> biologist so i'm literally throwing darts at a dartboard here uh to say um but i y- y- this this takes place a lot and there are smarter people than myself that get to make that determination we- it could probably tell you the importance of getting rid of this specifically i'll get a pond guy on here you want to get a pond guy on here? I'll do that. Yeah, this is now. This is, but this is the kind of stuff though. Like, you know, we're sitting here riffing on this shit. And granted, I've done it. I had, I had my uh, aquatic license for a while, but I mean, was was more than smart enough to be dangerous, but just slightly more so. That's about it. And, uh, but this is the kind of stuff you got to hold yourself back on because this is like, uh, you know, Johnny Mo guy who's like. Yeah, man, I'll fertilize that lawn for you. I'll spray them weeds out. License. Who needs a license? I know how to spray. You just put it, just <laughs> dump a couple lugs in that sprayer, boy. Go out there and kill them weeds. I'll make it green. That's hey, what happens. Red zone, get... red zone, red label. I mean, speed zone, red label with the, with the two lug <laughs> four. It kills, it kills all the damn weeds, man. It does a real good job. Uh, we'll move on to the next headline here, and this is a great one and uh, and fitting, of course, too. Uh, Maryland AG sues Monsanto alleges um, harm to natural resources. I saw uh, this. This is out of uh, Baltimore here. Maryland's attorney general has filed a lawsuit against chemical company Monsanto with two and two spinoffs alleging that chemicals it manufactured harm natural resources and seeking to recover damages and cleanup costs. The lawsuit alleges that Monsanto knew as early as 1937 that polychlorinated biphenyls had systemic toxic effects in humans and animals. It alleges that the company knew PCBs don't naturally break down. Environmental Secretary Ben Grumbles called the, uh, called the suit an important step to help Maryland make progress in preventing toxic pollution and recovering from decades of damage. Bayer, Monsanto's parent company, says Monsanto never manufactured, used, or disposed of PCBs in Maryland and shouldn't be held liable for the alleged contamination. Now, he, here's the thing. Do well, I trust when, when, when Bayer says, no, man. We ain't never did that damn PCB thing. <laughs> I can tell you right now, I don't believe that for a, a moment. Like it, that's it like, just, that's the big tobacco guy standing up in front of Congress saying, "No, we didn't know it was addictive." Are you kidding me? No, because guys, you know, as much as I'm a beer fanboy, I understand beer's past because beer wasn't always called beer. Guess what beer was called? In the old days. I, I don't know. Defuhrer's Drug Company? <laughs> IG Farben. IG Farben. And please be sitting down when you look up that name. Oh, I'm sure they made the gas that went in into Auschwitz and all that kind of stuff. And they probably did the all the bad stuff. 1937 Germany here. Uh, mm. You know, I mean... The, 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 uh, yeah, exactly. But this wasn't. But this wasn't bare. They're saying this is Monsanto, guys. They're saying this is before. So right. they got acquired here right, recently, right, right. or whatever. However, <laughs> to me, the actual yeah. people that are 
most likely responsible for that type of contamination mm-hmm. is good old GE. Because you see, let me explain to you what a polychlorinated biphenyl is and why it was used in the past. A polychlorinated biphenyl created an oil that was non-flammable, stable at high temperatures, and was resistant to breakdown where there was arcing or electricity going through it. So, therefore, in another time, this was used as the coolant inside of electrical transformers and ballasts for electronic equipment. Mm. Okay. And in, in to, to provide a, a little bit more uh, uh, insight on this, uh, Monsanto uh, has already lost one of these suits before, and Bayer was deemed responsible to pay out $50 million uh, in damages in, uh, in Seattle. Um, and that is a result of PCBs that were used in uh, electrical equipment. And the reason why is uh, PCBs were uh, manufactured exclusively by Monsanto and used to cool heavy-duty electrical equipment before being banned in the 1970s. So they had an exclusive on manufacturing of uh, the PCBs that were used in, in these heavy electronics. So GE was probably the major buyer. Uh, Monsanto was probably mm-hmm. the major uh, manufacturer there, and that's how that happened. And you know, you lose you lose one suit in this. Well, guess what? They're going to start coming nipping at your heels like uh, a piranha or a, a, a rabid Jack Russell Terrier. And and you know, we we see it now. And 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 listen, well, I'm 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 not going to suck the teat of of Monsanto and pretend like they're not a significant oh. number of ethically. Uh, um, <laughs> irresponsible decisions that they have made nefarious yeah well uh yeah because the the other thing that comes up here and there is in the 1960s monsanto also used to manufacture 245t agent orange agent orange Orange. for those of y'all playing along at home they were one of the manufacturers, and uh, don't feel too bad because if uh, Aaron over in East Tennessee is listening, uh, he told me that uh, Eastman used to manufacture some of that or the precursors to that as well. <laughs> I think the whole the whole big thing, the big issue here is there's plenty of precedent, right? That's out there between you know big tobacco getting sued and having major settlements with these states. To correct public health issues, uh, now you've got the drug manufacturers with all the oxycotton and uh, you know pills and stuff like that. And now mm-hmm. this is just the next thing. It's it's trying to share the load and that hey, listen, like we've got a big, big, huge, massive natural resource complex here in the Chesapeake Bay, right? If, if you're in Maryland. That we're trying to protect, we don't have the money to put forth to make sure that it's cleaned up right or taken care of properly going into the future, and we need your help, and we're going to sue you to make you help us, and that's just what's going to continue to happen, right? So, I don't see this as outlandish. I, I mean, like what Matt said, more of this is going to continue to happen, and 
I think that's one of the things that you're going to see with a lot of these uh, other manufacturers as like a real, real aversion to risk. And you're seeing, you know, not to go too far down the wormhole here, but that's why you're seeing so much stuff that not only is getting pulled from the market, right? We keep talking about chemicals that are getting pulled, but you see a lot of the new chemicals that come online that don't have a lawn label. And that's partly because these guys just don't want to fuck with it. They don't even want to put it in that space to down the line know that, hey, we could be on the hook for something that goes wrong. I mean, and Prelis, you know, that's what happened uh, that's to that's DuPont. A, it's a yeah. That's a it's it's a, it's a, it's a slightly days. different slightly different thing. I mean that that was that wasn't so much a macro thing like what we're talking about. That was a very micro thing where they were just you know whether it was nefarious or it was just pure ignorance. Right? They it was it was ignorance. However, even before Imprelis hit, Dupont's biggest product to me was Benley. Yeah. Okay, and the reason why Benley went away is I told you starting in the 1990s when how's this one? Mm -hmm. Due to regulatory issues, DuPont was mandated by the EPA to turn Benley wettable powder into what's called a dry flowable. You know those... Mm -hmm. uh, those granules yeah. that look like cake sprinkles? Yeah. Okay. By the However, way, they're not cake sprinkles, guys. Yeah. Once once that happened, we started getting reports of greenhouse growers getting all kinds of damage to their crops in the greenhouses. And even here in Hawaii, there were several instances of orchid and foliage plant growers having their crops just fried. Well, and, and imagine all the people that put them on their cupcakes and thought they were getting a probiotic. Quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. yeah, but uh, but in any case... Get when, the colon cleansing. Give me yeah, some of that Benelate. I've got a yeah, colonoscopy tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> DuPont, yeah, DuPont just has had bad luck. No, I, I want to call it bad luck because first the Benelate thing... Mm -hmm. And then they got out of the TNO market or the turf and ornamental market. And then several years later, they wanted to try again. And they did have one successful product. What was that? You know what's that successful? Acelaprin. Acelaprin was a, was, a was a DuPont product. I mean, and that was their best I product that they, that, they, that they released. But then they also had a rotten egg that they also released about the same time in the form of Imprelis. Okay. Hey, uh, I and I know you love Imprelis. I love it. Yeah. It's good stuff. I mean, well, it's good stuff. However, to me, mm -hmm. who knew that a product that is so chemically similar to Tordon or Picloran <laughs> would then proceed to Destroy full-grown full trees. I mean, I'm looking at the chemistry of Imprelis, and that just falls in line with the three greats, Clopyrrolid, Aminocyclopyrrolid, 
picloram and aminopyrrolid. They're all very biologically similar. I'm going on record right now. Okay. This is a dead <laughs> serious. This is dead serious. We need to get ready to move to East Tennessee. And I want to open up. I want to crowdfund us to open up in Knoxville. Right. Matt will select a site for the Herbicide Hall of Fame. And Ray is going to be the executive director. <laughs> Herbicide Hall of Fame. We'll give tours. We'll do, we'll do everything right there at the Herbicide Hall of Fame. Can't wait. Well, it, well you see, ahead, instead man. of buying my shit, you know, you know what that place is going to be called, Matt? Come see my shit. Don't. <laughs> kill my shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kill, kill my shit. Right now. If you would like to help crowdfund this, uh, it's real easy. Uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash burn and return and, uh, and, you know, for just chipping a couple bucks if you're of the means. If you're not of the means, don't worry about it and c- continue to enjoy the content. We're going to continue to put it out. However, if you would like to do more and you would like to see the Herbicide Hall of Fame, then, uh, then yeah, you know, ch- chip in a, a few bucks over there at Patreon. That's going to be this week's sponsors. We are forever grateful for the Patreon members. So that way we can continue to make jokes like, you know, our Amazon affiliate link for Sonar, which actually Jay Pink has already figured out. If you go to brassfactor.tv forward slash Sonar, uh, you, can, uh, you can pick up your own Sonar from our very own uh, 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 link there. And that is just absolutely beautiful that that was put together that quickly (laughs) seriously (laughs) patrons thank you so much and uh and you know if it continues to grow at the rate we're going who knows maybe here in the next couple years we may have our very own uh directed by ray ito the green doc himself herbicide hall of fame gentlemen let's move into this week's burns Hey Ray, this real quick. Did yes, Sheila sir. get did she get stuffed or dressed for Thanksgiving? What's the appropriate term there? I'm just curious on Sheila. She Sheila got dressed. Oh. Sheila got dressed after though. She got dressed because, after. Yeah, she got dressed after, but then uh, not before getting thoroughly rubbed. <laughs> 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 I had to do that to you, Demi. I just had to. <laughs> you hear that, boys? Ray's got jokes. Ray. <laughs> Matt might have died. I almost fell on the floor. I was not expecting that. Um, well, he teed it up. He teed it up, so he got it. I did. I, I did. He I, did. I, 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 I thought we were going with the fried joke. I mean, maybe maybe a meth joke, meth and fried. But I was I was not I was not expecting that. Um, gentlemen, only two out of eleven herbicide studies given to EU regulators deemed reliable. Review of safety studies shows a vast majority do not mean uh, meet international standards for scientific validity. Only two out of a group of eleven industry studies given to European regulators in support of the reapproval of the main ingredient Roundup herbicide are scientifically reliable according to new analysis of corporate-backed studies on the chemical glyphosate. Glyphosate is the world's most widely used herbicide and is not only the main ingredient in the Roundup herbicide, but also in hundreds of other products. 
It is extensively used by farmers in growing common food crops. In a report released Friday, researchers from the Institute of Cancer Research uh, at the Medical University of Vienna in Austria said their review of a set of safety studies submitted to EU regulators by Bayer AG and a coalition of other chemical companies show the vast majority do not meet current international standards for scientific validity. While two of the corporate studies were considered reliable, six were considered partly reliable, and three were not reliable, according to the report. The reliable studies were from 2016 and 2020, and both were sponsored by Monsanto, the original patent holder on glyphosate and the maker of Roundup. Uh, those considered not reliable were done more than a decade ago. Two were sponsored by the former DuPont company, here they go again, and one by the plant biotechnology <laughs> firm uh, Verdia Inc. The corporate studies analyzed in these report concerned the genotoxic properties of glyphosate. The companies maintain that glyphosate is not genotoxic, meaning it does not cause DNA damage, which is a well-recognized factor in cancer development. But Siegfried Nassmuller, the lead author of the report, told Guardian that not only are most of the studies lacking in quality, but that the industry research does not include new and probably better tests for the detection of genotoxic carcinogens. He said there is evidence in published research that glyphosate may cause DNA damage in human-derived liver cells. Interesting. He said that while several industry studies were uh, correct from a methodological point of view um, at the time when they were conducted, they are not in agreement with current strategy. In July, Nossmuller authored a similar report looking at 53 glyphosate studies submitted to regulators. The new report alleging flaws with the corporate glyphosate studies comes at a critical time of the ECAHA and the European Food Safety Authority are evaluating whether or not to renew the license for glyphosate in the EU when current approval expires the 15th of December in 2022. In August, authorities from France, Hungary, the Netherlands, and Sweden weighed in on the renewal question with a draft report concluding that glyphosate is not carcinogenic. ECHA and EFSA allowed other interested parties to consult on the renewal question until November 22nd. The Nossmuller analysis, which was requested by the Some of Us nonprofit advocacy group, was submitted part, as part of the consultation. The, an ECHA spokesperson declined to comment on the Nossmuller report. The agency said that it would develop its opinion on the glyphosate classification by June. An EFSA spokesperson said the Nossmuller report would be considered alongside all other comments submitted as part of the uh, consultation. Uh, Bayer did not offer a comment, of course. Uh, two independent scientists asked about uh, Nossmuller's report said it's not surprising that studies done years ago may not meet current guidelines but that would be true of independent studies as well as corporate studies. They also said such studies should not be necessarily ignored. Uh, for the last few years, there's been a heated global debate over whether or not glyphosate is going to kill the world. In 2015, the WHO, IARC, pointed to several independent research studies in concluding that there was strong evidence of genotoxicity with the weed killer and glyphosate should be considered a probable human carcinogen. Bayer has agreed to $14 billion through litigation to settle more than 100,000 uh, a roundup exposure potential issues related to Don Hoskins lymphoma. Bears agreed to uh, stop selling glyphosate to U.S. consumers by 2023. The government shouldn't rely on industry studies, said Peter in, uh, uh, Infante, former senior epidemiologist and director of U.S. Office of Carcinogen Identification and Classification for uh, OSHA. If the industry wants to do studies, they should put the money into a pool and distribute it to independent scientists that don't have conflict of interest. That's the way it should be. And I, to an, to an extent, yes, I get that. Uh, however, that's not always cost effective. And a lot of times, let me tell you, money talks, right, gentlemen? Money talks. 
And uh, let's just say there's a competitor out there, and uh, and and you can sh- humans are fallible. You shuffle enough money at the right researcher, and they're going to generate some results that may or may not have actually been there. And in fact, if you look at the number of scientists that have dismissed the work done by the uh, and I hate I use this term loosely and kindly, the cocksucker at the IARC that uh, started this whole shit show, um, a lot of them denounced his. Uh, um, his uh, methodology and in, in the way he was able to determine uh, genotoxic effects from, from glyphosate in general. So there's no, it, it, well, let me, let me point to it this way. The overwhelming majority of scientists out there agree that glyphosate is non-toxic, non-carcinogenic. There is a small subsect uh, and it, it begins with the IARC and the WHO and uh, and the the way they conducted their uh, epidu- uh, epidemiological study as uh, as being flawed. And uh, and there's a lot of people that believe the way they did that was flawed. So all of that to say, um, you, you, and, and, to, and to coincide with this, of of course, when these studies are conducted ten years ago, fifteen years ago, yeah, the the methodologies are going to be outdated because we have new technology that comes online every year, and. When you are already the most researched herb site in the history of pesticide research, why would you continue when you're already making agreements that you're going to pull up from consumers, countries are turning against you, how much more money, and you're already selling a, settling a $14 billion, $14 billion emotional uh, uh, hardship um, uh, 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 trial result, right? How much more money are you going to put into research in this product before you're moving on to the next one? If it dies, it dies, and you just don't give a shit anymore. You know, I, and I, I hate to think about it from that way, but I can tell you as a business owner that if I felt like the walls were falling on me, falling in on me on that on from that many different directions, it would be very difficult to keep my head in the game um, because it's it would just be so extremely overwhelming. Now, here's the other thing too. The reason why they may keep their head in the game is because they believe, like the majority of people in agriculture believe, that if glyphosate were to be removed on a whim immediately, uh, people would starve to death. And that may be why they continue to try and fight for these things. And people are going to say, well, it's corporate greed, right? Well, maybe, maybe. I'm not going to argue against that. But at the same time, um, you know, at, at this point, you know, profits over how many years are slowly eroding is in huge chunks. If you take into account the cost of what it took to actually buy uh, the, the glyphosate patent and all that fun stuff that Bayer just did for Monsanto, the defense of it that's taken place up to this point, the investment dollars that were lost in, in the fact that they're a publicly traded company, and now to continue to have to retest it just to be able to secure another two or three years of use out of it, right? The money is not there for that two to three year period to justify the amount of money it's going to take to defend the product. So that's why I'm leaning back towards, um, you know, it's probably a good thing that they are willing to do this. Otherwise, they would just pull it and say, foobar it. We'll move on to other products that we have in the pipeline or uh, we'll just use what's currently already available. And uh, and if people starve, they just starve. So be it. And. <laughs> I, you know, from uh, they are in that position that they could totally make that decision. It's a absolutely. so absolutely. Go ahead, Ray. Go ahead. 
Absolutely. And I, I saw your comment, Jesse. Uh, oddly enough, Paraquat is not a good substitute for glyphosate on several levels. Human toxicity aside, agronomically, Paraquat and Diquat will never actually substitute for glyphosate because, for example, guys, if you took away glyphosate from me right now, that would actually hurt how I operate. It would hurt me. And the reason why it would hurt me is because right now, I use glyphosate in the form of a wick or brush application on noxious species that are growing close to desirable turf for landscape ornamentals. And I rely on that slow but sure systemic action to selectively kill that invasive plant without creating a lot of collateral damage or hazard to myself and bystanders. I depend on glyphosate for that. You know, I think the the broader things here are going to be the the research, right? That's what the the article here is calling into question and doubting the level of stringency or uh, the methods that are being used to evaluate glyphosate in particular, but I think a lot of other products too. And the scourge of this industry is that manufacturers uh, fund the vast majority of the research. Like that's just the way it goes. And that's the way that it has gone, you know, especially here in the last 20 or so years, you're just not seeing as much uh, money in that space. That's not directly funded by manufacturers. And it's up to them to make, make that all happen anyway, right. To bring their products to market. So what, you know, uh, Peter Fronte, who was on that, that, uh, end of that article there, who's uh, epidemiologist with uh, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration here in the U.S., right? He's he's looking at this and saying, hey, you know, you need to put that money that you would normally use to fund your own research into a pot and then have that be done by somebody who's a neutral third party, right? I'm not saying that's not a bad idea. I agree with Matt, but to not think that that process would be politicized in even more convoluted than what takes place right now, right? Uh, is probably being very naive, right? So, you know, Fuck, if you look yes. up, yes, Ryan, this whole article oh, right here, the whole the whole premise behind this article right here is to say that uh, uh, producer manufacturers of glyphosate submitted invalid tests. It's stoking. What? It's stoking the the conspiratorial uh, 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 remnants of of glyphosate. Right, and I think that would be the thing. And, is like, can we go ahead, Ray? And by the way, guys, this is nothing new to me because guess when I first started hearing about questions about the validity of the research that indicated that glyphosate was safe? Guess when I first started hearing about this? Back when you were watching Headbangers Ball on MTV. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. No, no, actually headbangers ball. Uh, but 
the truth is, is that glyphosate has been a target of doubters and conspiracy theorists since 1978. You see, already the everything that glyphosate has been accused of to date, I've already heard those accusations starting in 1980s, in the 1980s. They, they, you know, they've been going hard at it. I, uh, I heard in the 1980s, oh, glyphosate ca- causes cancer. Uh, glyphosate does this. Glyphosate does that. Well, uh, I'm going to tell you to this day, that bottle of Roundup looks a heck of a lot better than the bottle that I saw sitting right next to it. Mm. Okay, I, I think th- I just think that in the big in a big scale or big picture view, right? That trying to define what is the what are the scientific metrics? Now I'll tell you this: is that maybe the reason I'll give you the the tinfoil hat thing is maybe the reason that Bear doesn't want to do that is because they know they know that if you put it you know in a certain light right or 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 go down the road that uh these people i shouldn't say these people that independent scientists would want to put it through there's ways there's more ways for it to look bad than there's to look good right so there's the exposure factor mm-hmm. maybe that's the case maybe it's not um you know insofar as trying to put this into third-party research though i mean if you go look at those players if you look at the gentleman i referenced who was at the end of the article the guy was you know now granted again politics come into play here but he was kicked Mm -hmm. out of a panel right that was convened by the epa to look at this stuff four years ago and so there again it's just like any other political topic these days right there's this side and there's that side and the other 80% of us that exist in the middle are just kind of like, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, can we come to some sort of agreement on what makes sense here as opposed to, Hey, do whatever the hell you want with it. And Hey, you got to get rid of it entirely and, you know, drop it off the face of this earth, you know, put it out there as space junk, you know, the next time that Elon goes up in there. (laughs) So I, I'm just saying, like, the, it's there's got to be a more common sense approach, and unfortunately, there's just way too much emotion, and quite frankly, there's metric fuck tons of money that are on both sides of this now that are dictating what's going to happen. Unfortunately, we we're just going to have to deal with it. That's just the way it is. So again, big picture I... looking forward is it's going to go away. Mm-hmm. It's going to be gone. Is it going to be three years, five years, ten years? I don't know, but you ought to make plans that it's going to be going away and we'll see what comes down the pike next. That's all we can do. Actually, Ryan, I have a more pessimistic view of this all because do you know what the current situations has illustrated to me? What's that? What a poor job your average person and the constituents of those in power are at assessing, analyzing, and responding to risk 
Yeah. That that is the larger issue because you see glyphosate is one of the lowest risk products I can think of. But if we can crucify paraquat and glyphosate equally, then that means that between the two extremes, we ain't going to have nothing. Okay? We ain't going to have nothing because you see, these are two products on opposite spectrums in terms of actual risk, yet mm -hmm. they're getting equal treatment. They're getting very well, much equal treatment. <laughs> the, the, what we have to look forward to is, as uh, non-selective controls, is uh, high levels of uh, sodium chloride and acetic acid that will get us out of this because we know how wonderful that is for soil. And, uh, you know, soil health is a big buzzword right now. So let's mm -hmm. salt the earth and solve the problems that way. We're going to move on to the, uh, to the next one here. The EPA could alter dicamba guidance ahead of the 2022 growing season. Uh, the EPA could revise its guidance on the use of dicamba for the 2022 growing season. We are no longer certain whether over-the-top dicamba can be used in a manner that adequately protects non-target crops and plants, said Jake Lee, U.S. EPA Deputy Assistant Administrator for Pesticide Programs. Uh, speaking to the uh, a meeting of the EPA's Farm, Ranch, and Rural Communities Advisory Committee, said that the federal agency has fielded many reports of dicamba-related damage reported during the 2021 growing season, including incident reports within counties hosting endangered species. We're extremely concerned by these reports, and we're thoroughly reviewing all the available incident data. Uh, at this time, we're conducting a thorough review of the information discussing what plans we will take on dicamba-related registrations. Mara Larkins, Illinois Farm Bureau Director of Environmental Policy, said Monday that the committee's meeting uh, that EPA shouldn't delay communication about its new findings. Uh, we have a lot of growers very concerned about supply chain opportunities for both herbicides and fertilizer products in general right now. And this is one particular product that in addition to supply chain issues, they're also worried about late coming EPA announcements. Lee said the EPA would release its findings and revise uses very soon, but did not commit to a date. Uh, the registration and extension through December 2025 are linked to applications only on dicamba-tolerant cotton and dicamba-tolerant soybeans and include label changes that further restrict over-the-top application. So fun stuff here. You know, I, again, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Um, if, if anybody is... It, I find it hard to believe that anybody picks up a container of dicamba not knowing what they're stepping into. Uh, but there's a very real possibility that the further this drags on and the continued uh, appearance of this in the news cycle, you know, month after month, year after year, apparently there is a lot of uneducation. Uh, uh, I would say it almost takes effort to un to make sure no one's educated at the appropriate way to understand how to how to handle dicamba. Dicamba is risky as hell. There's no doubt about it. It is not dicamba tolerant crops. Uh, crops are great because they they buy you a, a method of controlling broadleaf weeds in a broadleaf weed patch. Um, but I I mean anybody that's ever sprayed dicamba or read the dicamba label understands that you are not dealing with just because it's in a three way doesn't make it just the most easygoing thing ever. It, there's very <laughs> little in a modern three way product, you know. If you're handling Banville or Vanquish, whatever, you know, pick your poison on your label there. Um, it is a real deal MFR, and it will it will smoke some, smoke some things. 
And uh, and if this is continuing to happen on the ag side of things, then either it's in um, uh, an education issue or people just don't care at the potential harm they're causing. And that's a whole nother set of cultural issues that exist within agriculture that I'm not sure I'm not sure how to correct. I'm not exactly sure how to, how to handle any of this, but it's reality. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, now we're having to suffer, yeah. suffer from it. I'm not sure either because you, you did me have showed me some cringeworthy videos <laughs> on the, on, on the thirsty Thursday after show. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a clown with a backpack sprayer. Imagine that same mentality with a 50-foot boom, XR nozzles on that boom, and that boom is flying over an application volume of 5 to 10 gallons per acre over thousands of acres. And what's probably in that tank is either Ingenia or Clarity. And by the way, Ingenia or Clarity are the brand names for the dicamba formulation to be used on dicamba tolerant crops. And guess what kind of carnage would be caused by that application being done in a 10 to 15 mile per hour wind. And keep in mind that these Big rigs, their typical travel speed is 10 miles per hour. They're hauling ass. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an unfortunate... I mean, the, the potential to do real damage is there at that scale, you know? And, uh, and we... How this all shakes out and affects us is yet to be seen, but I'm less pessimistic on the glyphosate thing. I'm very pessimistic on the future of dicamba in uh, in lawn care. That is for sure. Um, we're going to move yeah, on to this I, next one because we are mm-hmm. burning through time here. Um, and this one is Amazon agrees to pay $2.5 million to settle pesticide sales lawsuit. Amazon is going to shell out $2.5 million, uh, according to a lawsuit uh, by the Washington State Attorney General's Office claiming the company allowed industrial-grade pesticides to be sold illegally through its online marketplace. The pesticides at issue were highly regulated and, in some cases, not available for sale to the general public. Under state law, sellers must hold licenses to sell them and record information about the buyers at the time of sale. For the most dangerous pesticides, the buyer must also be licensed as a pesticide applicator. The U.S. EPA uh, has reportedly investigated pesticide sales on Amazon, garnering a $1.2 million settlement already in the past in 2018. Amazon facilitated thousands of sales involving the high-strength pesticides between 2013 and 2020 when the company suspended all restricted pesticide sales, attorneys for the state claim. Amazon failed to inform customers that the agricultural and industrial-use pesticides were different from broadly available products, creating an impression that anyone could buy and use them, the state contended. Amazon is a powerful corporation, but it's not above the law. Some of the pesticides sold on Amazon, if used improperly, can cause neurological damage in humans, contaminate groundwater, harm threatened and endangered species, including Chinook salmon and orcas. A company spokesperson noted that no allegations have been made to, uh, of harm to customers or the environment. In addition to paying $2.5 million, Amazon is required to obtain a license if it restarts sales of those products. 
and uh, to make a host of reforms meant to block unlawful pesticide sales. Amazon agreeing to let uh, state investigators review its records to ensure the settlement terms are being met. By email, a company spokesperson said, we'll continue to partner with the attorney uh, general's office and other relevant agencies to remain uh, to remain in compliance. So, uh, you know, I'm... <laughs> if it was a lawn care company, it would be a $2.5 million lawsuit that would bring about the end of their livelihood in this industry and maybe for the rest of their life. Uh, $2.5 million slap on the wrist for Amazon is absolutely fucking laughable uh in terms of a of a punishment there but you know what what do you do uh when when you employ that percentage of the population and you've become ingrained in society that hard you know what do you expect i'm i'm sure that's all they can muster in their heart of hearts to slap old jeff bezos on the wrist there with uh with the two and a half million dollar fine which uh, i'm sure he wipes his ass with however matt let me give you examples of what is defined as a restricted use AI in Washington State. Most of the pyrethroids, number one. Number two, diuron. Number three, bromacil. Number four, imazapir. Did you know that those are all RUP in Washington State? No, I didn't. But here's the other thing, too, is, you know, this also may justify, you know, a lot of the buffoonery that we see on the Internet of, you know, well, if I can buy MSMA, then I can apply MSMA, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's the same level of logic that gets applied there. So I can see it from both sides of the aisle here that, um, you know, necessarily making something as easy to obtain as possible can be reckless in some regards, just because you can buy it doesn't mean you should apply it. And the same thing goes with, uh, you know, people who don't do us any favors with, um, uh, you know, what is, I'm drawing a blank on the oxidizer, right? Um, you know, yes, if I can obtain yes. it, I can, I can get it down. You know what I mean? And in, 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 in certain cases, there's people that I do trust that aren't licensed that could safely apply oxidizine. No problem. However, mm-hmm. if it's sold as a crabgrass killer on Amazon and nobody doesn't know the difference and they uh, rinse out their spreader at the end of the driveway and it runs right into a drain like we see on YouTube as well, then it's absolutely mm-hmm. laughable that, that a product of that caliber is able to be obtained that easily, right? So, you know, I, I see it from both 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 sides of the aisle here, you know, and if if I have to play by the rules, I feel like other people should have to play by the rules kind of sort of thing. And uh, and, and, and here's the thing, though, that what's crazy is that that is legit the same fine I would face if I if I was doing something like that, I would be fined two and a half million dollars. And, you know, it's also how they agreed to to find uh, uh, Amazon. And uh, and that's that's I don't know. That part to me just is fucking laughable. It, it it's insane, and uh, the whole thing is is that I remember having conversations with you know my re- my regulatory body, right? And I asked them because I'm on very good terms with them. By the way, I asked them what would happen if somebody did something they weren't supposed to 
do uh would their certification get pulled that was that was my first question to them but you know what my answer was to that question he turned around gave me a real sideways smile and he said no we're not going to pull the certification but whether that operation is still in business anymore is negotiable. Yeah. And by the way, and by the way, Matt, there were some very high profile violations of the Worker Protection Standard Act here in Hawaii. And end of that was those operations seek to exist in the state of Hawaii anymore. I don't know. It'll be, it, is, is this going to stop, especially with the explosion of Chinese marketplaces that we see on Amazon now? Um, is, is this, is this really going to cur- curtail anything? I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think they'll fall into a similar gray area that do my own does where it's just enough to, to skirt by. And, um, and I don't know, maybe, Actually, you maybe know what, that is, go ahead. You know what's scary, Matt? You know what's scary, Matt? Uh, the crazy shit I see for sale on eBay. Yeah, that's no that doubt. is it that no that that's even scarier because you see I've seen listings for products that I know what the hell they are, of course. And I cannot imagine somebody without extensive education handling them in a way that A ain't gonna kill them. B, not cause widespread environmental catastrophe. And Yannick, uh, it is technically possible for you to find somebody on eBay that will sell you paraquat from a foreign country. It can, it can be done. But please don't. Yeah, it, please, do, yeah. <laughs> please don't really. Yeah, so, I mean, it, there's, there's a reason why people use paraquat for suicide, uh, because it's that incredibly toxic. And uh, and it's a and it's a tremendous way to die. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Ray, let's check out this week's returns. Turns out, New Farm renews its sponsorship of Green Care for Troops. And uh, and if anybody, if no one has ever checked out uh, Project Evergreen, I highly recommend you do it. Uh, it's it's an awesome thing. Cindy Code runs it, and she is just an absolute powerhouse and pioneer of uh, of of the the green industry. Um, she has been a writer and. Uh, as someone who has worked very, very selflessly in in promoting and uh, in preserving this industry and progressing this industry, um, I just I can't speak highly enough about Cindy and the work she's put into Project Evergreen. If you're specifically what Green Care for Troops does is you know they will uh, provide 
uh, lawn care services for for uh, uh, men and women of the armed forces that are that are overseas and can't tend to uh, some of their, their projects that they have here in the United States. And so it's just an absolute phenomenal project. I love that New Farm gets in behind this. And uh, and you know and you know let me tell you if for all the pro applicators out there that don't have a relationship with New Farm. I'm telling you, it is worth its weight in gold in terms of a chemical manufacturer. They are the most um, uh, supportive of their products in terms of providing you real people that you can talk to about specific use case scenarios. So, for instance, with New Farm, um, you've got Jamie up in the north and then you've got Rod Marquardt that, that covers the south. And I know Rod extremely well, had dinner at his house, you know, a phenomenal guy. And the reason why I can speak so confidently on how great of people they are is because I have spent that much time with Rod. And, uh, and he has, it's, it's, it's very rare that you run into chemical reps that have an intensive knowledge of, uh, of a product. Typically, they have to refer you over to their research group or um, you know, one of their PhDs or chemists to, to be able to give you nitty gritty on it. Um, not New Farm. New Farm has, uh, in-field support guys uh, that have the knowledge of PhDs, of chemists, um, that can help you make real-time decisions while you're out in the field. And so the fact they are stepping up to sponsor uh, Green Care for Troops and also sponsor Project Evergreen in general, um, this is awesome. I absolutely love to see this. Absolutely, because I have a good guy that's... Uh out of California, his name is Ryan. And Ryan is the guy that helped me dial in my PGR program because guess what else New Farm, you know, supports what product they support? A new. Yep. Yep. They support a new. So I was, uh, I caught uh, dear Ryan Nichols over at a, industry event here in Hawaii about mm, 2018 or 2019. And he and I talked PGR. And ever since I had that talk uh, with him, you know, he gave me the con the confidence to, you know, do what I'm doing because he especially highlighted something to me regarding their product. In that compared to other PGRs, for example, a new has a ceiling on its actual PGR activity. Did you know that? I did not know that. Okay, so what that means is that there's a limit to how much an new application will regulate grass or turf grass there's a there's a there's a limit and that limit is such that it is virtually impossible to apply so much anew that you're going to cause damage whereas something like Paclo, you you and i both know anew is different uh trinexapac it's possible to apply enough trinexapac to cause damage and the same I can tell you is true with uh, Cutlass. Uh, once you get into the annual, you know, you know, the maximum rates per acre, it's a case of 
F-A-F-O? Seriously? So, you know, <laughs> but then I didn't know all of that. Yeah, and, so and, and, I, I got to talk to the new, new farm guys. And new farm has, uh, you know, guys that will be able to have that conversation with you, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I hate to toot the horn of any one chemical manufacturer. Um, but I will toot the horn of new farm all day long. And it's not to say that I use all new farm products by any stretch of means of imagination. It, sometimes it just doesn't make sense to use it, but I will say that in terms of the chemical uh, companies that are that are out there that support uh, lawn care, I it is of my experience that New Farm is probably above and beyond the most supportive uh, in terms of the representatives they put in to uh, rep their product line and and their company. And they are very very effective of it. Um, here is another great article, Ray, and <laughs> boy. Doesn't this just kind of flip everything we've talked about up to this point related to glyphosate upside down? Uh, and this is from the Genetic Literacy Project, and this is a glyphosate herbicide, a key driver for uh, of reduced carbon emissions in agriculture, academic study finds. In the early 90s, tillage was a leading form of weed control with minimum zero tillage management practices and capable of long-term continuation. Presently, weed control through tillage has virtually disappeared as cropland management systems have transitioned largely to continuous cropping with zero to minimal soil disturbance. Research was undertaken to examine what was driving this land management transition. A carbon accounting framework incorporating coefficients derived from the century model was used to estimate carbon sequestration in the Canadian province, uh, a province of Saskatchewan. The results quantify the transition from farmland being a net carbon emitter to being a net carbon sequesterer over the past 30 years. The evidence confirms the correlation between genetically modified herbicide-tolerant crops and glyphosate use as a driver of the increased soil carbon sequestration. The removal of tillage and adoption of minimal soil disturbances has reduced the amount of carbon released from tillage and increased the sequestration of carbon through continuous crop production. This research confirms the essential contributions to improving agriculture's uh, sustainability made by GM crops and glyphosate, providing insights into challenges facing jurisdictions that anticipated increased carbon sequestration without either technology or certainly uh, significant restrictions on each technology. Saskatchewan farmers have confirmed just how crucial the use of glyphosate is with the complementary technology of HD crops for the ability to continuously maintain sustainable land management practices. Removing or restricting either or both of these technologies would have adverse impacts on sustainability. This goes against, I mean, in one instance, we're talking about how glyphosate is going to bring about the end of the world. But here we talk about how modern farming practices. And so what I'm going to I'm going to equate this to something that is a buzzword that everybody should understand right now. And that is no till. No till Mm -hmm. could not exist without glyphosate because of the systemic activity of glyphosate. You can you cannot get a residual burn down from a paraquat, from a diquat, from a glufosinate that would allow you to eliminate all tillage because some of what tillage is utilized for is also to suppress weeds or eliminate weeds. So now, now with the enhanced efficiency of no-till due to the result of glyphosate, we can easily draw the correlation between glyphosate being a major contributing factor to certain farms becoming 
net uh, a, 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 a positive towards carbon sequestration. Farms becoming uh, a, a, um, a, a positive carbon sequester, right? That is nothing but. And in the midst, and, and listen, this is, this is what absolutely drives me bonkers about this, right? Is that we will hem haw around, tinker, fight with one another over uh, I, I, how we can epidemiologically manipulate data to show uh, uh, glyphosate as either a good guy or a bad guy. When this, this in today's topic, in today's political climate, how can anybody pretend like this doesn't fucking exist? And it drives me crazy. And this in this modern era push towards renewable energy, towards sustainable land management and things that are I, this is all important stuff. This is all important stuff. I don't want to say I'm anti renewable energy. I'm anti land management strategies and all this fun stuff. I'm not 100 percent. I'm not. I think as an industry, we all have to trend that way. It's important for us to trend that way. In here, we see glyphosate as an important tool that allows us to trend that way, to make real changes in our methods, to be able to become better, uh, better managers of land and uh, uh, ecology and climate. And, and a lot of that is because of glyphosate, yet it's cast Matt? as the bad guy. Yeah, Matt. It's crazy, what, right? Yeah, what the hell do I always harp on almost each and every show that I'm on? What do I always harp on? I'm harping dead, on... Dead people. The actual carbon footprint of any kind of agronomic or horticultural operation. I'm looking at the carbon footprint and what I take into account when I'm thinking about the carbon footprint is... How much manual labor and energy overall is consumed to perform that operation? And to give you the idea, Matt, difference in fuel consumption to do that glyphosate and pre emergent burn down in the field versus having to run the discarrow over that field. What is the difference in energy consumption? It is a shit Huge. Ton. Yeah. It's a big one. It's or a, and then to, to have to go in there and flame all the weeds out, which is not going to provide a systemic kill, or to have to go in and zap them all with gigantic generators, which is not going to be sustainable at all. Yeah. We've got a tool so, that does this for us. Yet it's being shit on in every which way imaginable and constantly ostracized to the far end of the earth as invaluable, impractical, killing people, leaving a wake of horror in its path. When in reality, mm -hmm. in terms of making real positive climate impact in the way we farm in, the, in North America, South America, around the world, real positive gains. And by the way, it's because we have a tool look, like glyphosate. Yeah, because we have safe tools. Because, you know, prior to glyphosate, no-till was actually something that didn't work very well because here's how a pre-glyphosate no-till burndown looked like. Imagine having to go into the field with a combination of, say, 
paraquat and atrazine in corn. And here's the problem with throwing down that much atrazine in corn. If you do that kind of stuff, that atrazine carries over next year and makes it such that your land is not usable for any crop other than corn because there's too much toxic residue. Whereas with glyphosate, no big deal because what do we always tell guys that have a reno situation? If you gotta seed and then spray out your undesirable with glyphosate that same day, it's not going to hurt. It'll still work and your seed will not be harmed. Don't we, don't we tell people that? Yes. We tell people that. And that is because that is an application that has minimal ecological effect because on contact with soil, soil absorbs it, soil sequesters it, and it is no longer biologically active. Yet at the same time, that is one of the best tools I can think of for getting after perennial grasses. Glyphosate is the best. Glyphosate wins. You know, in terms of overall profile, I mean, that stuff checks off all the boxes. And it's been doing it for decades now. One you know the the genetic literacy project is is a pretty interesting read for for those of you that are interested in any of these types of uh of of topics um it's very centrist and they identify a lot of things that are not buzzwords in um uh in in, in typically what what makes it to a more popular I'm trying to keep from using the term mainstream media mm-hmm. because because a, a lot of these are are not the kind of 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 topics that are going to generate the, the 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 readership and the click through rate and the and the viewership that you're going to get from something like the Guardian article that we read earlier. And every time we bring up a Guardian article, we can always kind of pinpoint the same kind of result out of it. Right? That there's this idea that oh look here we go. Uh, uh, glyphosate is uh, uh, eliminating um, uh, 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 glyphosate manufacturers are, are submitting invalid data to us. You know, I mean that's such a typical article that comes out of it. And so the genetic literacy project is is interesting because the the topics that don't generate the clicks are oftentimes actually reviewed here pretty aggressively, and uh, and so it's 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 pretty interesting. Uh, so I, I recommend people check it out again, as with any news source that is out there, um, you know, vet everything you read. Um, I think it's important that we do that, whether it comes from Fox News or CNN or the Genetic Literacy Project or The Guardian, vet everything you read and understand, you know, what if, if there's any um, uh, <laughs> if, if there's any kind of, uh, you know, human uh, human opinion that's that's been uh intersected to it so anyway i highly recommend everybody check that out um that is going to bring about the end of the show today but before we get out of here uh we don't have any mailbag if you would like to submit something for the mailbag you can head over to the grassfactor.tv head to the contact form submit it there or mail us at mail at the grassfactor.tv 
that'll go to Jay Pink. Jay Pink will uh, will submit it to us, and we'll put together some opinions on it and submit it to you. And that's the whole beautiful thing of why we have three independent people on here is that you get three independent ideas of how to tackle things. Uh, because the way I approach things are going to be different than the way Ray does, and, it, and Ray is going to approach things different than the way Ryan does. Uh, because we each have our own uh, experiences that we've developed over the years. We each have our own education that we went through. And, uh, and you know, when you combine those things together, you get three different outputs, right? But the <laughs> most important part of what is coming up this week, gentlemen, is on Thursday, our special Thirsty Thursday guest is the man from the land down under himself, Steve Irwin. Just kidding. It's Ben Sims, the lawn tip. <laughs> I am fired up. Unmike yourself before you start talking, Demay, because I know you just were able to set back down. So I mean, uh, unmute yourself I just want, before you start talking. I want, I want, I want to talk about some cooch with him. I'm really excited to talk about cooch. Cooch, dwarf, oh, cooch. dwarf for semi, oh, dwarf for semi dwarf cooch. Like what, what kind of cooch are you talking about over there, Demay? I forget, hey, well, man. I, I forget. Well, I'm from, I'm familiar, Matt, because a lot of the people that go through the. Uh, Lawn bowling green are from Australia. At least they used to be until COVID hit. I used to run into a lot of Aussies, and they'll be back. Back in the I, day, I promise. Yeah, one day before the end of this whole thing, we will figure out how to resume somewhat normalcy to our lives in the in the post COVID apocalypse that is uh, that is not going to take down the life as the way we know it. And there'll be Aussies back there, lawn bowling their asses off in Hawaii. And who knows, by then you may live in the East Tennessee, Ray, operating the Herbicide Hall of Fame. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We appreciate it. We appreciate all the patrons. Y'all are the reason that we were able to do this. And uh, don't forget, the link is down in the description below, thegrassfactor.tv slash sonar. Uh, just kidding. That's a total joke. And we did that as a spoof just to say fuck you to the people uh, that... Uh, that uh, uh, Chill. Die in the trenches, uh, in the <laughs> trenches with bullets whiz- whizzing overhead. And if you missed that, rewind back to the beginning when uh, when uh, Demay dropped that beautiful, beautiful quote on us from. Uh, Love you, Steve. Some of the most s- s- just fantastic people we have lingering in the outskirts of our industry. All right, everyone, we are heading on over with the patrons to the, uh, to try and figure out what the topic, what, how we are going to title this video. We'll catch y'all over there. Y'all have a good one.